Woo! Hello! So did you guys like the movie? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> now I have to do the important thing. Um, yes, we usually drink a bottle of wine when we record, so seeing as we're here at Lovely Palace where they have that, excellent to hear that um, that everybody enjoyed it. We thought what we might do is just quickly do kind of our normal thing and we're, we'll review it a little bit, um, talk a little bit about it, and then we will hand it over to you guys because I'm sure there are probably a couple of questions from the crowd. So, Katie, do you want to start? Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Um, today we're reviewing The Force Awakens, which everybody just watched. Uh so, how many of you guys have seen the uh, original trilogy? How many of you guys have seen the prequel trilogy? All the people with your hands down, very lucky people. Congratulations. <laughs> we had to watch all of them last week and it was really difficult. But uh, that was a lot better than Phantom Menace anyway. So, yeah. Uh, usually what we talk about, uh, for the people who don't know, we are a sort of geeky feminist podcast. So, we're going to talk about like the roles for women in this movie and and maybe a little bit of background on the rest of the movies um, and how we felt about it, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked it. Did you like it? I did like it. And I think I, I had many feels, <laughs> so many feels. And I got right into the um, the anticipation. I was so – when last night when I saw it for the first time, it was just so over the top. I thought it was really well – I wasn't excited at all. Well put together. Yeah, <laughs> I was in line. I was just like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Stop. Yeah, the whole time. So I thought it was. So. Yeah, I thought it was a really well put together film. Um, the prequels when we watched them last time last week, they were just not well made films. They They're looked bad. back. Yeah, they looked back at the original, but they sort of maybe made some bad facsimiles. This actually takes the original, and particularly A New Hope, but it also references all of them, and it kind of uses that story and uses all the familiar tropes and um, a lot of the familiar touch points to kind of tell that story anew with a new generation and a whole n- and s- certain inversions. And, you know, if you're going to make a film uh, 32 years after the last one you made with the same cast and you're going to have this late reunion thing, this is probably the best you can do and this is the way to do it. I can't maths, but I'm pretty sure that's not right. But anyway, thirty-two um, years since Jedi. How is old? It? It's you. Didn't Jedi no, come out? Jedi. Oh yeah. Sorry. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Um, since yeah, Jedi. No. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, I really liked it. I think uh, what J.J. Uh, Abrams has done really well is that he's kind of captured the spirit of the original and made it feel like that kind of retro seventies thing, but also updated it so that it looks new and shiny and pretty and all that sort of stuff. So it's still like, and I think it helps that the music was there and the actors were there and that sort of thing to bring all of that stuff to it mm. so that it still feels like Star Wars. There's not there's not anything in this that kind of doesn't feel like Star Wars, but they're doing it with a whole different kind of group of characters and they don't rely on a lot of the archetypes that they had at the original. So the original relies on a lot of the fantasy, like traditional archetypes of like there's the mentor and then there's the hero and the princess and the rogue and all that sort of stuff. But this one with Finn and Poe and Rey, they're not that kind of character at all they're really different I think Ray has the closest to a hero's journey but it's not quite the same thing as what Luke went through and it's not quite as traditional so they're telling a new story with Ray um that wasn't really told with the original and Finn is a whole different kind of kettle of fish I mean he's a whole different ball game to what we oh, have seen before yes you just touched on one of my favorite things is the humanizing of stormtroopers yeah it- yeah, they feel and like... And Stormtrooper women, too. Yeah, yeah well, really that's exciting. right. Yeah. Um, Stormtroopers kind of felt like the Borg in Star Trek here. Like, 
we actually start to learn about them as a collective and what they go through and they're stolen from their families and trained up from birth. So I thought that was interesting. I never I never knew anything about Stormtroopers before and you don't see any of it in the other six movies. Well, I don't know if that's all canon for Stormtroopers. Somebody else might know, but I mean, the First Order seems to be Stormtroopers-ish, like Stormtroopers later that's involved into something else. And I don't know mm-hmm. if they've always done the same thing with Stormtroopers. Because, I mean, Finn was clearly born well after the the first one, right? Because uh, yep. he's only supposed to be young and in this. I mean, it was his first um, mission when he went off and got the little mark on his face so that we all know who he is when everything else happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, he's he's so good too. I mean, out of the three mains, I think he's the most developed character wise. I think Ray is a little bit too perfect most of the time and Poe just doesn't have any kind of flaws at all that I can see so far, but I might be slightly blinded by the fact that he's so dreamy. He's so dreamy. So dreamy. And Oscar Isaac is just wonderful. I hope this makes him a huge star because he's he was just so he's gonna be the big breakout of this film. I mean, and, he already was kind of breaking out. He yeah, was yeah. he was already kind of there. Um but yeah, he was he was terrific and he's so like charismatic and wonderful. And his bromance with Finn is so cute. Yes. I love it so much. The bit at the end where he they, he comes off the Millennium Falcon and the medivacs get him and Poe runs after him to see, oh, these two. Meanwhile, Ray's just like standing around behind him like, oh, Han Solo and Poe's all, oh, my God, Finn. Finn, my um, And when they like meet up again and they have the big hug and they're like, I can't believe you're alive. Keep the jacket. It looks good on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sisterhood of the traveling jacket, which is also, it's also worn by Ray at one point. Yeah. Because pretty amazed. Yeah, I like that. I like the little, I like that there's new traditions that they're introducing that come in with the old ones. I also kind of like that they don't over rely on the, I have a bad feeling about this, which I think mm. the prequels have that like two, three times in every movie. And by the oh, yes. last time you hear it, you're just like, I don't like that line anymore. You just, it's re- now a bad yeah. line. You just reminded me. It's, um, JJ Abrams doesn't fall into the George Lucas traps. George Lucas, um, when he made the first ones, he had so many studio restrictions and things that he wasn't allowed to fall into his own traps. But when he made the prequels, he had such control that he fell into all his traps, which are like cute little animals and funny jokes and things like that. And I think these are kind of kept tamped down Yeah, like BB-8 is cute, but you don't over-rely on cute BB-8 jokes to make a scene. Also, there's not stupid things like creatures running around in front of the actual action and stuff like that that George Lucas loves doing. Um so, yeah, it's very clean and very focused. The screen isn't too busy most of the time. Um, and there was something I wanted to say. I've forgotten what it was. Uh, oh, I don't think it's only studio control either. I think it's good that they have, like, other people keeping George Lucas in check. Yeah. Not just studio, but, like, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and, and various other people or Irvin Kirshner directing the second one um, mm-hmm. who can go, this is a bad idea. Don't do that. Do this thing instead, which has probably helped the original trilogy a lot. Yeah, they they definitely are better than that. Um, oh, I really liked the performances in it. Um, I think especially John Boyega and uh, I thought Adam Driver was yes, really good. I was gonna that was mostly was when he about. has the mask on because he has <laughs> this kind of rangy loping physicality that's like a coiled spring. And and one of the things about Darth Vader that's really scary is that he's really controlled all the time, so you don't know what he's thinking. But with Kylo Ren, even with the mask on, you're just he's constantly on the edge of just exploding and like slashing up his nice chair and oh, making those stormtroopers yeah. walk away. You, I thought that was really funny. He's like a toddler and he doesn't – when he lashes out, he lashes out at the furniture or the room. There's yeah, only like one time you ever see him take on a person. Obviously, that's an important time. But he's – yeah, he's like a toddler when he has his has his um, anger outburst. I actually think he's quite good without the mask because he's so um, 
what do I, I, I don't want to be rude here, but ordinary looking. <laughs> like he's got this face that's like, he, he really does look like a kid that's gone off the rails. But his hair is so pretty. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's all like flowing out from his head. It's yes, no, he doesn't. No he helmet. takes the helmet off that? and it's like perfectly quaffed. Um, <laughs> he, he prepares it every morning, you know. Um, no, but uh, he, um, I think he's good with the mask off too. It's just that with the mask on, he has, he's, it's really good that to see that they're not like, he's not Darth Vader, but he calls back to Darth Vader. And that's, mm. again, the same thing that we've just been talking about. Right. And that's what was good about all of it. It was good about, um, well, it, suppose we should talk about the biggest spoiler which now that everybody's seen it is cool is that's it's like the death of Han Solo it really does call back to the original but it does it in an inverted way but it also does it so that we close out Han's journey from the guy who he wasn't getting involved in anybody's fight if he wasn't getting paid for it to the guy who, and who shot first and who shot first yes indeed very important and to the guy who walks out to almost certain death at the hands of his own son yeah, I mean, it would have been really swell if I didn't figure out so early on that Han was going to die. Um, but there's a point at which, I can't remember, but when I was first watching it, there's a point at which Han's walking somewhere and I was, my brain just sort of went, oh, is this the point at which Han Solo's going to die? And then I went, oh, I already knew Han Solo was going to die at some point. Like yeah. I figured that out sometime between starting watching the movie and now. It was probably I just the don't know force. when that happened. Hmm? It's probably the, yeah, force. It the force. Yeah, that's not how the force works. <laughs> so cute, and I think um, maybe it was like the film was just a tad on the long side. Well, it's but all those back and forth shots, yeah. man. The the interrogation where he's like, "I'm really intent on your face," and she goes back, and he goes back, and she goes back, and you're like, "Do something." Yeah, and then the ending, which is just Luke and then Ray, and she holds out the thing, and Climb it's a lot like thirty seconds of her holding out yeah. the lightsaber, and then it goes back to Luke, and he's all. I can't do that on the podcast, but he does the face where he's like, oh, my God, my lightsaber after like 30 mm. seconds after she's pulled it out. And then it comes back to the long shot that goes mm. around on the helicopter shot. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, and I was. We get it. Yeah. And but watching it through this time, I was like, well, there, it is a bit long. But a lot of the bits that make it long are those cute little character moments of like, that's not how the force works. Or Move, oh, you're cold. Yeah. Or did you call me Solo? Like they were. I, I mean, all of the Han Solo moments. Well, no, but not just his. But like, I know, but all of those were Han Solo yeah, moments. That is true, and also the Poe and Finn. But there, there's a few that a lot of those little moments. But I wouldn't want to lose any of them. Like I wouldn't want to lose Chewie at the nurse where she's healing his. <laughs> that arm. nurse looks so familiar. Right. I don't. I, I can't. I, I can't, can't place it either. I don't know if if somebody else knows, but she. I don't know if she was in the first series or. Who I don't. Knows? I don't even know if she's an actress. Oh, I feel that, like she might not be an actress. Oh, she's I feel like, like she might be somebody who's from behind the scenes or something. Oh, right. Like I'm not sure. Somebody's friend. Um, no, the only point of nepotism what, that we saw was was Billy Lord in her little Oh, and Grunberg. Oh, Grunberg. Well, yeah. Grunberg is in everything. And Simon Pegg. And Ken Leung, Jung, yes, who is yes, from Lost. one of the resistance. Uh, Miles so from Lost is in Simon the Simon Pegg, because I didn't pick him the first time. He is the… Um, big hands guy. The big hands guy on Jakku. Yeah. Who doesn't sound anything like Simon Pegg or look anything like the, Simon um, Pegg? So how would we know it's Simon Pegg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guy. know, right? The guy who hands out things to Ray. I'm pretty sure that's him. Yeah, it's. I also seems didn't like make sure. Uh, is he somebody else? Somebody is looking it up. Uh, is he somebody else? I was guessing yeah. based on the fact that he sounds British. But there are a couple and of little. He's not any of the visible people who sound British. Yeah. Like, okay, I, w- I do want to talk about accents. And how accents and languages work. Because everybody can speak every other language, which I talked about last time. But it's still so frustrating that, like, how come 
Finn can't speak Chewbacca or uh, BB-8, but everybody else can p- speak but Chewbacca yeah, and BB-8, can. and people can speak fish, and people can speak whatever other languages everybody's speaking. Can every single person speak, like, ten languages? See, and you know I have a theory about that. I think that Han Solo's had to learn a little languages, because he's a tra- he's a, he's But a what about traveler. everybody else? But Ray, I well, I think that might be the Force, maybe? But also she's the Force <laughs> teaches you languages. <laughs> but she also you know we know it's she can speak, speak droid because of your recent obsession with droid slavery. Yeah. And um Ray is Well, clear. how do droids work? And like droids are slaves, right? They're, they're owned. I mean, they're clearly sentient because they have personalities. Like BB eight, R2 D2, and C3PO all have different personalities. So they're clearly sentient beings, and yet everybody treats them like they're not sentient beings, and especially uh Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequels treats them horribly. And they owned and they're sold and they're stolen and they're mm. uh, broken up for parts, and yet they all have like different personalities and ideas and they all want to do stuff and my sister's shaking her head at me. And Ray and Ray won't won't let BB-8 be sold to scavengers or sell him herself. But then she still refers to his master. But I I think you know that's one of the inconsistencies. <laughs> um, Robots. Yeah, and and but also accents. Why does Finn have an American accent? Uh, because they didn't want to make him British. Because all the British are bad guys, except yeah. for Ray, who has a British accent. Well, again, in spite of the fact that she's strong enough, <laughs> secretly. Yeah, she must be it. Yeah. She belongs and, on and the... And Kylo Ben is secretly good. <laughs> that bit, when he kills Han Solo and there's a... Uh, the lighting on him is like half blue and half red and then the sun goes out and he goes all red and then he kills Han Solo and you're like, that is subtlety. <laughs> that is subtle. I mean, the whole thing. And then Han's um, coming up and he's all red and, and every time there's red lights, it means that it's bad, which is what I think why Finn sees the red lights when they're going on the Han Solo's... like. The, mm. the um, smuggling ship, and he's like, "It's the first order." When he looks up, because yeah. they're all red lights coming in. Yeah, and on, and when you see Ray, you hear um, Luke's theme, the Luke Skywalker theme from the earlier movies play over her. But he's totally not her daddy, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's subtle. Yeah, very subtle. I don't know. I kind of like that it goes cheesy. I kind of like that some of the lines are cheesy, and some of the because I mean, the original Star Wars, they're pretty cheesy, and they're also very simple in terms of a lot of the dialogue and stuff like that. And I think they repeated that as well, but like not to the point of "you're breaking my heart, Luke," or "you can't win. I have the higher ground," and things like that. Yeah. Um, but to the point where it's like it's easy to, it's very clear what everybody is feeling, but it's acted with actual emotions and things so that it works. Yeah, you could definitely take this script to screenwriting classes, same as you could for the first one. Like, it's very complete. You can see where the three acts happen and the certain tropes that it hits and things that it hits quite well. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I do feel like the... I think in order to tell the main plot, they kind of went with a very simple B plot, which is, hmm, what can we do now? I don't blow up a bigger Death Star. Yeah, um, the star And this time Poe can blow up the Death Star because we accidentally had Anakin do it once, so who cares? Um, <laughs> Poe doesn't have the force, eh, whatever. He's really good at shooting stuff, Yeah, um, that kind of thing. But, I mean, I think that's kind of a, a crutch that they fell back on so that they could tell a more interesting and complicated story with Rey and Kylo Ben and Han Solo and stuff. Yeah, and that is super fascinating. And I love spending time in the universe and I'm keen to go back and learn more, which is, I guess, I mean... It, if there is anything like it is, it does very carefully point to what's going to happen next and where we're going to go next. And I'm get you all excited for two years from now when we're going to do this again. Two years. Oh, it seems so like long. such a long time. I saw the movie last night and then I was like, but why isn't there more of it? And it was too long, but I was still like, yeah, oh God, I want more. I know. It's thank you. 525 days. days. Exactly. Someone's just let us know from the crowd. We just got to get our calendars out and start like 
Or, or like on the wall, like Ray. Just start marking off the days <laughs> um, until Daddy comes back and teaches me the rest of the force. Yeah. And I get my pilot's helmet. I get my pilot's helmet. Where did she get the pilot's helmet from? I I'm, I've have two theories on that. One, she got it in the um, it, she was saved from her father, who we think is Luke. Or and my other theory is that she got it out of the wreckage of Poe Dameron's um crash. Like he, if he was thrown from the wreckage and he got there's a, oh there's an X wing crashed. On, there's lots of X wings crashed on the planet. She's a I scavenger. Thought, I just thought it might be significant. Because, yeah. you know, plot point and all that. Well, that's but what I thought. She, I thought like it was a bit of stuff that she'd kept from her family. But that was yeah, that, that, that that's was what I was, thought. That's what but I thought. it could have been from any, any number of places. Um, and there's a bit uh, where Finn pulls out, I think, the training droid. And then, mm. like, uh, Finn leans down and he leans on Chewbacca's fighting monsters game. Got to let the Wookiee win that one. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. So it's, But it's all these, like, little things that don't, you know, overwhelm the story. And also... One thing that they did really well in this movie that they completely didn't manage to do in the prequels is that each introduction to like an important famous character is momentous. It's important. Um, like when uh, it might be too much Firefly, but as soon as they said, oh, no, that ship's garbage, I was like, oh, it's the Falcon. Yeah. Because, you know, well, I, 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 I didn't because apparently I can figure out that Han Solo was going to die ahead of time, but I cannot figure out that we're going to see the Falcon. And so when I first... It was in the trailers. Yeah. No, but I know we're going to see the Falcon, but the way it happened, the way that they're running away, it's very much Echoes and New Hope where they're and running Firefly. away and they come around the corner and there she is. And it, we, I just gasped. I think the whole cinema gasped. We saw it with a like epically nerdy crowd last night who were silent at all the right moments and gasped in delight at all the right moments too. And I was like, oh, there she is. I had a few Firefly moments. Uh, Ray reminded me of Kaylee a lot of the time um, with her whole, I can do machines thing. Ew, no. Um, I can, uh, you know, <laughs> machines talk to me, that sort of thing. Well, yeah. well that is also in the movie with yeah. the whole, She was know. a little too perfect, but I did love all the like women fixing um Fixing engines and every and the twice where she, where she said I'm the pilot and they went you and that was kind of cute. Well, I also and like without um, being too heavy-handed, Supergirl. Style. Um, Mars was pretty cool. Uh, Mars was pretty cool. Um, I like Captain Phasma. How like being a woman has absolutely nothing to do with that role, which was really cool to see because there's no kind of she's not a princess, she's not a mother, she's not a daughter, she's just a woman doing her job. Yeah. Which, you know, it seems like you wouldn't have to be so excited about that in 2015, but it's so exciting. Yeah, but unfortunately that, Star Wars. that's a character that was written as a man and then given to that particular actress. Yeah, but so, if that's know. what they're going to do, that's what that's they're going to do. That's what they do. they have to do to write good characters. Yeah, write them as an alien. alien. Switch them over. And uh, Mars was cool. I liked Mars. Um, oh, yeah, Mars Kanata. Um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Right. The, she was the, great, the yeah. Bestel testing, the Bestel test passing part. Um, yeah, that was, that was great. Um, Leia, I think Carrie Fisher had her like face pulled back, right? Like she looked strange. Like her whole face was really tight the entire time. I, I don't know. And she does definitely look different, but I mean, like this hair ain't easy. There's, <laughs> there's lots of pins and stuff. Yeah, I know, there. but my face isn't, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it looked really odd. It looked like it, but it reminded me of, um, um, Ian Home when he played Bilbo in the flashback mm. to, like, it looked like it was kind of pulled back and she looked really startled the whole time. <laughs> Maybe she did have some work done before the, before shooting. Or just like had it all pinned back when she was yeah. shooting. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, do we want to open up to, do you guys have any questions? Yeah. Well, someone all does. Right. Hello, Mitchell. 
and out screaming after her family flying off in the ship. They it looked like they'd left her with the big hands guy. Yeah. Did anyone notice mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I just wondered yeah. what the deal was there. Like, is he like some sort of guy that looked after her for a while? Because it didn't seem like she really knew, like, had a much of a relationship with him when she was trading stuff with him. I think it seems like more like their relationship has deteriorated significantly. Where like a week ago he was giving her more food and now he's giving her less. It seems like she's done something to. You know, distance yeah. herself. I think she she seems to be like purposefully distancing herself from like everybody on that planet. Like they talk about how lonely she is, but she doesn't seem to want to make any friends until BB-8 comes along and is all mirror. I'm so cute. Um, <laughs> she doesn't seem to like want to connect with anybody. So I mm. I think that she's kind of uh, there's been some sort of thing where like he used to be her her mentor or guide or friend or whatever, and it's kind of fallen apart. Yeah, or perhaps there's like. He was asked, given some money to look after her by her parents or by whoever. He's some a kind of slaving. Yes, yeah, some kind of Good slavery job, that kind of relationship. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but also uh, I think um, he, there's somebody clearly who's taught her all of that scavenging stuff, and he is in charge of all the scavenging stuff. So yeah. he probably taught yeah, her a lot of that. Probably. Right. She seems to know an awful lot of stuff that nobody's ever taught her. Like she just she gets in a Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I can fly this thing. You ever flown before? Nope. Yeah, well, Poe gets in a TIE fighter and he's like, I can fly anything. Yeah, so that's but he's that same a pilot. <laughs> yeah, and she's never left the planet. She's a scavenger. That is interesting. Um, was there another question? Did you have your hand up, Claire? Oh, wait, Lauren, up the back. Um, so my question was, we couldn't figure out who the old ally is at the start. I don't know either. Max von Sydow? Yeah. I, we don't know. I was going to ask you guys that. <laughs> so I don't know either. If he Was was he meant to be? Was he in the last lot of movies? Because I don't no. remember him. No, that His was Count Dooku was Lord played by Tom. Christopher Lee, who is no longer with us. So Also, Kylo Ren says, oh, you've aged a lot, which is, you know, a yeah. bit of an idiotic thing to say. But it sounds like he knows him and, like, he knows the Kylo Ren's yeah, and, and he refers, like, part of the family. So it feels yeah. like we should know who he is. And he refers maybe. to Leia as royalty. and yeah. like he, Maybe it seems he's like Kylo he Ben's brother and just got aged really fast and that's why he made the comment. <laughs> Everybody is related. They're yeah. all related. Yeah. You know that Finn and Ray have to be related because Finn had that little, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a boyfriend comment? Which is kind of what Luke did to Leia in the first one. So they must be brother and sister, right? I mean, following Star Wars logic. <laughs> so um, Claire was down in this third row here. I just want to know if Carrie Fisher was asked to do the movie because she just seemed really unimpressed throughout the entire film to be there, like at all. She She's been really, really excited. She's the one who was most excited. Okay, she throughout the entire film, the vibe that I got from her was like, "Why the fuck am I here? Why am I doing another Star Wars movie? This isn't really exciting for me." See, the vibe I got from her was, "I can't feel my face." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't right, act because so, nothing is so. Moving. So maybe she just yeah, that was what it was. Um, no, I think she was really keen on it, but they did make her lose a lot of weight and she was probably on a diet and whenever probably I'm on hungry. a diet I'm hungry and very angry so maybe she would maybe that was part of it hair's too tight not getting enough to eat uh, so does somebody want to take the take mic to the that mic person to Ajda and then I think Gina wants it as well sorry Ajda repeat that she was third on the credits yeah, yeah but she was she, third after Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford wasn't which she? How she was didn't even one. speak yeah he didn't speak she yeah. spoke <laughs> way more she was third. She yeah. probably knew from the start that she was going to be third, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, that's, but it is, it, it's, I think they just went, you know, these are the people people want to see. Yeah. Forward, and, I, it, she, and I think, honestly, she was um, lucky because if it was just her, you know what they're like with women and recasting once they get past a certain age? Like they're recasting Xena and Xena's barely 40. So, um, 
They're rebooting so she, Xena. Yeah. I'm going to stick up for Xena because Javier Grigio Marx watches writing yeah, for the show okay. and I'm really excited about that because he's adorable. Yeah. And I think he like, wrote The Middleman for anybody who saw that. Yeah, I think because um, Harrison... Yes, one person! <laughs> I think because Harrison Ford's such a big star and I and he was like... he I don't know if there was some kind of insistence that all three of them come back. Anyway, it was... I think they were excited about it, but I, I think that's always been the billing. I don't... It's not fair, yeah. but it's how it's been. Um, no, I, I mean, I think Mark Hamill was originally first rather than Harrison Ford. I think people were just more excited about Harrison Ford. And also Mark Hamill doesn't talk. Um, yeah, but I mean, Harrison Which Ford... Which for somebody really who's known as a voice actor. I know. But uh, and not so much a face actor with his whole thing. Um, <laughs> but Harrison Ford put the most effort in. I mean, he was like he, he had was the, killing it. He was great. He had he the most him too, come back yeah. as Han and just being Han. Like you know, it was just he was there. Yeah, um, he was still moving the same way, and you know. And he made the, he had this line where they say, uh, "Are you Han Solo?" And he says, "I used to be," which is like a Harrison Ford line. Like uh, um, John Boyega told a story at Comic Con about how um, somebody came up to Harrison Ford and said, "Aren't you Harrison Ford?" And Harrison Ford says, "I used to be." Um, and I think Melissa was saying she might have heard that story before. So I think that's like a Harrison Ford line that they've put into the movie, which I thought was neat. Yeah. So there's a question at the back, I think, from Gina. Yeah, this is a question with a bit of a story. Um, the question is, was it a missed feminist opportunity? And the background is Captain Plasma. Phasma. Fla- sorry. Um, was played by, of course, the woman out of St- Game of Thrones who plays this amazing... Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, Gwendolyn yeah. Christie. Six foot, you know, odd, uh, amazing knight. What, you know, we missed a pivotal opportunity for recruiting young feminists to watch Star Wars by potentially not showing her face. Uh, but she's a stormtrooper. What, what do you I think? Mean, I think you, you can can't hear. show her face. It's, I think it's quite clear that she's female. And she's going she's gonna to come back. She'll come back. Oh, right? yeah, she'll survive. She'll, be in the, she'll she's be totally in the, survive. Yeah, everyone will see her face. The garbage <laughs> shoot. But I think, I think she just went into the, gar- the gar- trash compactor. They survived yeah. that in the first I one. I think she the most important. She's all shiny. I think the most important feminist recruiting tool, if there were such a thing, um, is that we have lots of different types of women. So you get like ones who hide behind masks and are like generals and awful people, and you get ones who are you know, scavengers and ones who are princesses and all, all the different ones kinds who are of droids. women. Yeah, droid women and all kinds of things. So I think it's probably okay because there are lots of different women. Um, and, I, and also I think, I mean, in terms of like feminist opportunities, this is the best one we've got for Star Wars so far. Yeah. I mean, to see this many different women in a Star Wars movie where there's like bad guys and good guys. And also there are women who just have lines and are sitting around doing stuff like, uh, women um, pilots just running around. Yeah. And- women pilots, women, uh, in the, um, and there were women pilots who were cut from a new hope. There were women pilots that were cast in a new hope and they shot scenes and they were all cut from the, from the end of a new hope. So, uh, and and uh, um, women, you know, in the in the first order as as bad guys and women as good guys. It was and also just people of color in general. Yeah, there's um, a lot, there's a lot more of them in in this movie than in any of the previous ones. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyone else? Oh yeah, there's one in the middle. Oh yeah. What was your opinion of Snoke as a major villain? Just I think we'll see more of him. I felt like we were looking at the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, everybody knows he's like he's yeah. this big, right? He's like tiny. Lord Voldemort. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, obviously it was a bit more Gollum because of the Andy Circus thing, but yeah, no, I totally yeah. There's a bit of Lord Voldemort. It's it's kind of, villains who are like almost entirely CG are a bit weird. Like we saw with Maz Kanata that like a whole CG character can actually be really good and really work well. 
but he was kind of, he was a hologram and he was a projection. He was so big. I, yeah, I really got a Wizard of Oz feeling. I feel like they're going to go to him in the next movie and he's, yeah, he's going to be this tiny little man pulling strings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Snoke is, um, he's just kind of a figure, kind of like, you know, the emperor or somebody like that. Wait, yeah, until later, he's not, not really a person. He's just kind of a figurehead who looks creepy. You, did anybody notice that like half his face is missing? Like the side of his face that we don't usually see mm. that's in shadow. He's got a piece of his jaw missing and it looks like his eye's gone. Yeah, he's got a big scar on his head. Mm. Like uh, Kylo Ben at the end of the movie. Next time we see him, he's going to be all scarred up and even crankier. I, I already have enough you trouble beautiful remembering Kylo Ren's name and you keep calling him Kylo Ben and it's just, I'm well, not, not going to be able to remember. I, I called him Rilo Ken last, last time we did a podcast. <laughs> and now I can't, and I have to remember, he's Knights of Ren. Well, I, uh, yeah, the, yeah, he's Ben and Kylo yeah, Ren. Yeah, no, I, just... I get it. I, I Named after Ben Kenobi, I assume. Yeah, I assume so, which is interesting. You would have thought that Luke would name his son Ben, but obviously he named his daughter Ray instead. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah. It, yeah, I think there was another question in the middle of the. It doesn't seem like, uh, Han Solo was that close to Ben. He didn't seem to like him all that much. Um, Leia, I, did Leia even meet him? No. Well, not in the film. I, I don't know. I think there's more to that story. I think he certainly seemed, I actually thought the family dynamics there were really well done and quite subtle. Sorry. Is, is it, yeah. There was an interaction. There's some complaining me. from the third row. Um, but I, I actually thought the family dynamics were quite well done. There was a sense of, particularly with the older actors, of like regret and things done wrong and the way you've messed up your kids. And it was kind of, it felt very real. It actually felt like maybe. So we, microphone, just, just, had a, we just had a question shouted out that was how much of that is Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher's real life relationship. I actually don't know that they're that close outside of doing these films together. So, but it, I mean, there obviously there's three films worth of stuff set up by that. But I think that's kind of the point of it is that they had um, they had this particular time together in their lives where they did these films together and they were this close and they had this particular experience that nobody else can understand. And then now that they've come back, you know, they're older and they've been through life and they've been through a lot of things. You know, Ca- Carrie Fish has been through all kinds of issues with drinking and mental illness and Harrison Ford has crashed God knows how many planes. <laughs> and, and there's all this kind of like it's actually you do get to the point of I, I, I just I don't know. I, th- I It's probably like the age of the actors as well that they were able to convey all that sort of life experience into those interactions. Yeah. There has been an awful lot of kissing between the older actors. If you guys have seen them at like Comic Con and stuff, yeah. every time they're together, they're all kissing and you're like, yeah. And um, Katie mentioned, so they the, seem to like each other okay. Yeah. On the well, on the last episode, well, we did an episode about Star Wars last week, and Katie talked about how she thinks that Luke has a crush on Han, and there's a picture of them at the premiere where Mark Hamill is looking at Han Solo like this. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Sorry, <laughs> Han Solo. I forget. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of the point: is that Luke and Leia are both in love with Han Solo. Hmm. Yeah. And that explains Luke's whole thing. Yeah. They're not in love with each other. They're in love with Han, not each other. Sorry, there's a question up the back from Adrian. Um, if we think that that Ray is Luke's daughter, why has she been left on this planet? And if Luke did that, like, is he a hero and not just a dick? Protection. <laughs> yeah, I mean there I is... mean they left he he was left with, you know, Uncle Ben and Aunt Uncle uh, Owen, Owen and Aunt Baru. Don't they call that a cycle of abuse? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I think that's actually – no, you're actually right because you, you see them repeat their mistakes again. You see Luke repeat the mistakes of Obi-Wan Kenobi when he tries to train his nephew and you see um, – and, and he repeats the mistakes of Obi-Wan Kenobi when he perhaps leaves his child behind 
Well, I think also um, protection because she's clearly she was clearly like probably there when Kylo Ren went all and killed everybody. And there is a theory floating around, which I believe was Paul Verhoeven's. That thank you. Sorry, I just took Lauren's next comment because I talked to them earlier today. Um, <laughs> that said that um, that she was already trained. Uh, in the force and she's had her memory blocked and that's why she can't remember anything. But that's also why she, you know, knows how to like just tell people to do stuff and they do it or to, you know, fight with lightsabers or do whatever other things you can do with the force. So, um, that, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, maybe he's trying to protect her. He doesn't have a whole lot of options. He's just like, this is close. That guy seems okay. That'll do. Mm. Um, Simon Pe- no, he might not be Simon. He might Pe- not be Simon <laughs> Pegg. Who knows? He is Simon Pegg. Okay, well, thank you, person with IMDb, for looking that up for us. My guessing was accurate. Yeah. Um. So I think we're actually getting close to time on this. We have more questions. We've got. We've got one more question. Yeah. The, he had his hand up. So yes, go ahead. Clearly, from my accent, I'm the villain of the piece here. So. Just, <laughs> oh no. Um, I just wonder what people's thoughts were on the marketing of the film. I saw a couple of the um, trailers, and from what I can tell, there there are only a couple of very very brief sort of third act scenes that were in the um, that were in um, some of the trailers and you know and even when when the film kicks off you know when when you see the stormtroopers coming down that's the shot from one of the first trailers and so Mm -hmm. that gives you you know that gives you confidence in the film sort of straight away the fact that they've done the marketing really quite well just keen to hear people's thoughts yeah that's jj abrams is really notoriously spoiler phobic and he doesn't want and he doesn't he wants to keep as much information from the audience as possible and i love that Builds walls around his set so that people yeah. can't get like, so take photos. They were stuff, very so, yeah. careful, and I mean, this is something that Disney and Marvel are quite good at. And now that they're in the family, of course, um, that they're quite good at keeping secrets in um, in the movies and from the trailers. So I think that was it was very well done. There was certainly no um, none of this Batman versus Superman stuff where you see like huge amounts. Of, I don't know huge amounts about that movie, and it hasn't even come close to coming out yet. Yeah, but it looks so boring. They have to try and get something to make people excited. I mean, Which it's like, Wonder Woman, what can we, might, what might can we possibly about. do this time to try and get people excited? I know, let's show the whole final fight. That'll work. People will be <laughs> excited then. Yeah. The only thing that's made me even remotely excited about that is seeing uh, Lex Luthor really hamming it up. That looks great. Yeah. Everything else looks terrible. Um, yeah, but obviously, like, marketing is their business and selling toys is their business. If you've been in, like, Big W or Target or Kmart lately, there's just wall-to-wall Star Wars and, like, there's yeah yeah if you're a nerd this Christmas you're getting Star Wars stuff for Christmas I already have Star Wars presents that I've gotten it it doesn't work at all we don't want to buy any of them. yeah so they 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 just yeah they really really says the person who has a Captain Phasma bobblehead at home and we yeah they know what they're doing um yeah so we're actually getting close to time now so we probably have to wrap um have to wrap up does anybody have anything really pressing they want to say really really important have we missed anything major no <laughs> hey. <laughs> Um, there is one thing we've missed. What's that? We've missed, um, giving it a rating. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. I'm going to give it four and a half stars out of five. Yeah. I've been, um, back and forth between four and four and a half. And because I always err on the side of generosity, I'm going with four and a half stars. I don't always err on the side of generosity, but it's so pretty. Yeah. Um, so thank you everybody for coming along. Thank you for sticking around. And thank you, uh, to the gentleman in the layer buns. You look amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> and for everybody else who came out in their T-shirts and there's a there's an R2-D2 hat up there, there's lightsabers floating around the crowd, so thank and you. And Ray right up the back. Yeah, there's Ray up the back who looks amazing with the, the hair. Um, Much so- better than mine. Mine's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what? It is terrible. 
Yeah, so something you can't see on the podcast is that Katie has done her hair in ray bubbles and I have um, dressed as Princess Leia. And yours is good and mine is rubbish. Well, it's, um, it's, it's adequate. Anyway, thank you guys for coming out. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Bye.